Discover that you've called in sick from work, from a parallel reality. Demoralize a man to tears decades before you were even born. Drive quickly away from the formidable man who hates the year 2003. All these stories and more to disorient, displace, and dimensionally disturb. It's chronologically crazy. It's timey-wimey. It's this week's multidimensional cocktail of Odd Tonic. Welcome to the parlor. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Maxwell. Please join us in a cup of tea, dear guest, while Jennifer and I continue to flip through an eclectic anthology from Fate magazine called Slips in Time and Space by Rosemary Ellen Guiley. It explores bizarre, mind-bending stories of people experiencing time abnormalities, parallel dimensions, and glitches in the fabric of space-time. Glitches like these were most notably illustrated in the movie The Matrix, weird little time jumps and resets, or just reality behaving badly. (laughs) These moments happen during the most ordinary of circumstances, where one moment everything is normal, and then suddenly you are completely through the looking glass. (laughs) Which reminds me of an incident that happened to me. Yes, you have a wonderful personal example. Please share. (laughs) I was 17 or 18 years old. So, of course, I was at the mall. (laughs) (laughs) I happened to be by myself that day, and I was about to enter a store behind another shopper who was a small distance ahead of me. And as they were walking through the entrance, there was this bing-bong noise from a motion sensor to alert a clerk that someone had come in. But when I crossed into the store, it didn't go off. And it had been an annoying enough noise that it was easy to notice that it didn't happen again. But, you know, I didn't think much of it. I thought maybe perhaps it just had to reset. So I'm walking through the store, shopping at the clothing racks and slowly making my way to the back of the store. And going through a circle rack of clothing, I look up and I notice across from me a wide open doorway to a whole nother section in another room. And... I'd never been in the store before, so I noted that, oh, maybe I want to go over there and check that out as well. And that's when I noticed a woman in that room looking at me strangely. I try not to let it bother me. People have been looking strangely at me my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) But I moved off towards the front of the store to give the staring problem woman her space. Eventually, she moved on, so I returned to where I'd been shopping before. And again, I glanced up at the store's other room And I saw, standing in that section, me staring directly at myself. And I suddenly realized that what I thought was another room was actually a very large mirror. A mirror that I hadn't seen my reflection in before, even though I had been standing directly in front of it. (laughs) A mirror that the staring woman, who had been standing behind me, was peering into, probably wondering why the reflection of the girl before her wasn't there. I quickly left the store after that, and when I exited, the motion sensor didn't beep. (laughs) What I love about your story is the juxtaposition arc. At the beginning, the staring woman is the weirdo. (laughs) By the end, you're the weirdo. (laughs) Moral of the story, I'm the weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) I also love the big reveal, how it 
twists the listener's perception of the way that yours was in that moment. Mm. And I also think it's interesting that this event happened when you were at the age when most of us want to be invisible. Very true. <laughs> were you willing yourself to blend in? I think I probably was. I'm definitely that sort of person. Well, perhaps you were taking it to new heights. <laughs> it seems to me that you were somehow mid-phase between here and somewhere else. Hmm. Well, that is certainly what my appetite for more stories like this. So let's get started. Tonight, we're going to explore some of our favorite glitch and time slip stories culled from average folk on the internet. And then for the coup de gras, we're going to share a story from the Slips in Time and Space book that is guaranteed to haunt your thoughts for the next several days. Though dear Jennifer appeared to be partially phased out in her experience, our first two fascinating stories involve people who seem to have phased all the way. <laughs> a big no thank you in my book. <laughs> our first story comes to us from The Examiner, the newspaper proudly serving Eastern Jackson County, Missouri, since 1884. I don't know, I made that up. <laughs> in 2003, Jake Kell, a student at Ozarks Technical Community College in Springfield, Missouri, finished pumping gas into his pickup. At 11 a.m., the humid spring air was already hot and miserable. I went in to pay for the gas, Kel said. The humidity made me weak, so I just wanted to pay for the gas and leave. <laughs> he sounds like, was he, a, a weak Victorian woman with his fainting couch? <laughs> As Kel was walking back to his truck, he was accosted by a man. Kel said, As I left the gas station, some melon-headed man dressed in a business suit yelled, What year is it? <laughs> this, dear guest, establishes not just the scene, but also the quality in which Kel recounts his story. <laughs> so buckle up. Strangely, the man stood in a spot that Kel had just walked past a second before, but Kel hadn't seen him. Kel stopped near his truck and turned to look at the man. The man's suit was of a rough fiber texture. Hmm. Along the line of things Teddy Roosevelt would wear, Kel said, which I thought was entertainingly specific. <laughs> Why not be more specific? Exactly as Teddy Roosevelt would wear whilst wrestling a bear. <laughs> <laughs> what year is it? The man yelled again. Kel described the man as white, about 45 or 40 years old, clean-shaven, and, quote, mostly normal. <laughs> I don't think there's anything normal about this. If you saw him standing in a large group of people, Kel said, you'd just think, He's tall. <laughs> it's witnesses like these who have sent innocent men to jail, my love. 2003, Kel told him. The man's face contorted in anger. What year is it? He shrieked at Kel. Again, I said, 2003, Kel said. And I was starting to get ticked off. <laughs> Kel continued his path to his truck as the large man screamed the question once more. I said 2003 so he could hear me, Kel said, <laughs> suggesting that he applied a volume that set off car alarms and scattered birds from trees for miles. <laughs> then he quit asking, Kel reports. <laughs> Standing next to his truck, Kel glanced away from the man and slid quickly inside. He closed the door and looked back at the man. The man was gone. Hmm. 
He disappeared from in front of the gas station, Kel said. In the seconds it took Kel to slip into his truck, the man had just simply vanished. Curious, Kel double-checked to see if the man had slipped inside the store. The only spot he could have possibly traveled in the short amount of time. He wasn't there. The man was just gone. These stories are not so rare as people think, Kel said. But the stories are so bizarre, I don't think anybody would want to come forward to tell it. Who would believe you? <laughs> to which I respond, perhaps a few, if you stop describing the man as a melon head wearing <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt's business suit. Next time a strange man randomly yells at the gas station, I'm going to assume it's some kind of time abnormality. <laughs> perhaps it's the constant time abnormalities that are behind all the random yelling on the public bus I take. <laughs> Truly, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> Well played. Now, dear guest, what if you wake up and find that it's perhaps you who should be doing the yelling? Listen to this. In March of 2008, 41-year-old Lorena Garcia Gordo woke up and went about her daily routine. But things didn't seem quite right. First, she noticed that the sheets on her bed were not the ones she recognized. Later, she would discover clothes in her closet that she never remembered purchasing. One day I woke up and found everything different, Lorena said. Nothing spectacular or having to do with time travel and such things. I simply woke up in the same year and day in which I went to bed, but many things were different. They were small things, but significantly important to know that there was a point at which everything was different. She headed to work, where she had been employed for the last 20 years, and where the weirdness would only deepen. She went to her department to find she didn't work there. The door, which should have had her name on it, had the name of another person. For a moment, she thought she was on the wrong floor, and became more perplexed when she realized she wasn't. When she looked herself up in the company directory, she found that she was working in a completely different section that she had never heard of, mm. in a different part of the building, and reporting to a supervisor she did not know. Wow. So I went to the department indicated in the directory, and I said I wasn't feeling well, and left. <laughs> this is what I would do. Just, nope, I'm out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Sick day. <laughs> All the contents of my handbag were the same. My credit cards, my ID, everything but I didn't recall having changed departments at any time. I went to the doctor and underwent drug and alcohol testing, all clean. I returned to work the next day and was able to make my way around by asking questions and saying that I wasn't feeling well. That must have been so weird. I can't even imagine what this was like. There seemed to be nothing physically wrong with her, and the main stories in the TV news, at least the broad ones, were the same ones reported the day before. But conversations with her family turned up anomalies, such as the fact her sister had never had surgery done on her shoulder, which Garcia remembered had been performed a couple months before. The most disturbing change was that of her new boyfriend, who she had known for years but had been dating for four months. When she tried to contact him, she found his number was not listed. When she went to his home, she discovered that he not only didn't live there, but there was no record of him ever living there. Lorena even went as far as to hire a private investigator to try and hunt him down, but there was no one of that name to be found, nor any trace of his son at the university where she knew him to be studying. Worse still, she inexplicably seemed to still be with a boyfriend of seven years whom she had broken up with six months prior. 
All of this has convinced her that she had somehow been displaced into another dimension from which she seemingly cannot return. Lorena says, I cannot find any pathology that matches my experience. For five months, I've been reading all the theories I come across, and I'm convinced that it has been a jump between planes or something, a decision or action taken that has caused things to change. What upsets me is that I'm in the same year, not in a different time, and I'm exactly the same. Let me explain. It's as though I've woken up for a dream where I've lost my memory five months ago, but everyone remembers my life before that time, in which I've done things that I'm not aware of having done. I think I understand where she's coming from. If she was from the distant past or the distant future... Or knew things no one else could know. Right, exactly. She'd have the proof. But there isn't any proof when you're just a shadow from your Mm -hmm. current reality. Yeah. Instead, your oven mitts are red instead of blue. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Lorena claims she has been to several medical professionals trying to figure out what is going on and has been told everything from it's either a form of amnesia or it's just the effects of stress. Mm. But she's convinced she's stuck in a parallel dimension in which she does not belong. Hmm. Wow. It's fascinating. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that the doctors say it must be from stress. and <laughs> Because I have so many questions. Did she and her ex stay together? Does he have a melon head? <laughs> but seriously, how does she not go completely mad? Most people hate it if you change their brand of toothpaste on them. <laughs> You're so right. Do you wonder if months later, Lorena went down to her basement and found her ex-now-current-boyfriend's hidden alcove containing a bulletin board covered in pictures and red thread and a futuristic-looking Tesla tower device. Wow, that would would be pretty dedicated. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most elaborate ruse to get his old girlfriend back in the history of humankind. Not obsessive at all. (laughs) Totally worth it. Well, next up, we have an amazing first-hand account that begs the question, what if somebody makes plans for you and you have no one to blame but yourself? I think I may need to go lay down. (laughs) This is how the story was told on Reddit in 2014. This happened in early 2000 when I was working at a juvenile detention center as a corrections officer in a small town in Oklahoma. I was working nights at the time and went to work at 9 p.m. This one night when I arrived for work, my supervisor looked confused and asked me what I was doing there. I said, I work tonight. He gave me a funny look. But they said you called in a few hours ago saying you were sick. I was a bit confused and said, it must have been someone else and they got the message wrong. After everyone else showed up for work that night, it was a bit more weird But we carried on as usual and assigned everyone their places for the night. What does that mean? (laughs) It was a bit more weird. Everyone who arrived for work that night were silicon-based slime creatures from the Orion Nebula. (laughs) But I didn't think it was a detail that was important to mention. Is that weird? I call that Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) I went into the control room where I usually work. The control room is at the center of the prison that has direct control over the cameras, doors, phones, and everything. After I relieved the guard on duty and settled in for the night, I looked at the message that said I had called in. It said I had called in at 6.50 p.m. and said that I had gotten sick while out cleaning up after the storm. Mm -hmm. There had been a storm the night before, 
And it was a bit bad, but nothing that I had to go out and clean up. It was truly weird. And as we know, Jennifer, these time slips are often hand in hand with extreme weather Mm -hmm. and strange misty clouds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The supervisor, Dave, came into the control room at that time. He was also a friend of mine outside of work. We started talking about it and how odd it was. I decided to call my wife at home and tell her about it while Dave was still sitting there. I picked up the phone and dialed. After two rings, a man picked up the phone and with a raspy voice said, Hello? I didn't know what to say for a few seconds. I looked at the phone to make sure I dialed the right number, and I had. After a few seconds, the person said, Hello? Again, in the same raspy voice. I said, Hello, who is this? This is Taylor. Who is this? The person said. My head started spinning because my name is Taylor. I said in almost a scream, Where is Anne? He said, Anne's in bed. Who is this? I dropped the phone and told my supervisor to ring me out. I had to get home, and I took off towards the door. I could hear Dave pick up the phone behind me and say, Hello? Followed soon by a, What the fudge? Rather loudly. (laughs) I ran to my car and drove home, faster than was legal, my mind racing the entire time. I busted through the door, and my wife was sitting watching TV, shocked at me being home. I asked her who was there, and she said no one had been there. After a rather long talk with my wife, I went to call the prison and tell them what was going on. But our home phone was dead. I went back to work. When I came in, Dave was acting weird and asked me, How are you doing this? He told me that when I left, he picked up the phone and the person on the other end sounded like me. He kind of freaked out and hung up the phone. A minute later, as he could see my car leaving the parking lot, I had called back from home and asked him just what was going on. He said that I was a bit irate, said I was sick and did not feel like playing these games, told him to stop prank calling, and hung up. After convincing him I had no idea what was going on, we went back to work. Later, I found out that the phone line from my area had been knocked down during the storm. This is absolutely the strangest thing that has ever happened to me. My love, I would like to think that in a moment like this, I would have the wherewithal to actually talk to the other version of myself. <laughs> we'll plan it now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at, a, at minimum, it would be amusing, right? And perhaps it would be helpful to put to bed fears of paths not taken, you know? Mm, but what if it's the opposite? What if your other self is doing much better than you are? Then things may suddenly get dark and Hitchcockian. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you get the shovel and rope. <laughs> Well, this is all very strange. I feel disoriented just hearing these stories. It's fairly terrifying. Well, then let's take a moment for dear Jennifer to breathe into a paper bag. (laughs) And when we return, we'll take a road trip that detours into the unexplainable. And we'll ponder an example of how the trickster universe can go out of its way to break up your relationship. You're listening to Odd Tonic. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us in the parlor this evening. 
We'd love for you to visit again, so please subscribe in case you wake up in a different dimension but still have your podcast app. (laughs) And write us a kind review on iTunes. Tell the world about these two weirdos you love passing the time with. Please do. And if you want more strangeness between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook, all at Odd Tonic Society. And you can always write us at theparlor at oddtonicsociety.com, especially if you have a bizarre experience you really need to tell someone. We're ready to believe you. (laughs) Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? (laughs) (laughs) Bonus points if you get the reference. (laughs) Now let's return for more warped wanderings through time. Welcome back. So far... A man from the past has gotten lost in a gas station parking lot. (laughs) We've sympathized with a woman who has to cope with the worst case of who moved my cheese ever. (laughs) And we're baffled by a man who called himself in sick from work from an alternate reality. I have a new appreciation for all the times life remained boringly predictable. Me too. Next, let's go on a date in a dimensional distortion. This is as it was posted on Reddit in 2014. My girlfriend and I had been together about a year at the time, never had big problems, we're both pretty relaxed people, never had any big fights or had any trust issues. One day, I was out in front of my apartment building smoking a cigarette. This was before we lived together. I had seen her the night before, had a nice dinner, gone out to a bar, gone back to my place, after which she took a taxi home. As I stood out in front of my apartment building, she pulled up in a taxi. I wasn't expecting her and was pleasantly surprised to see her. I put out my cigarette, smiled, and walked up to say something like, Hey, what are you doing here? She glared at me and slapped me square across the jaw. I was dumbfounded, at a loss for words, so I just kind of looked at her. She never said anything. She just barged past me into the building. I followed her up to my apartment asking her what was happening the whole way. She went into my apartment, grabbed her bag, and some of her stuff she left there. She threw a few things at me, breaking a glass or two, and knocked down a bunch of stuff off a shelf. She called me a pig and said she knows everything and that I'd broken her heart. I was still trying to figure out what was going on. On her way back out the door, I touched her sleeve. She stopped, glared at me again, and slapped me. She said to me something like, I hope I never see you again, and walked out. I followed her to the street. She got into her waiting cab and drove off. It was maybe 8 or 9 a.m., and the street was pretty empty as I watched her drive off. I was just lost for words, scared and sad. As I watched the cab drive away, someone hugs me around my waist from behind. I turn around, and it's her, in running clothes, when just a moment ago she was wearing heels and a leather jacket, and I went completely pale. She said hi in the usual happy-go-lucky tone, and then noticed my look and said, what's wrong? I spun around. No taxi. It had driven away just five seconds earlier. There's no way it could have turned down the street in that time, plus all the lights were red. I didn't say anything to her, just ran upstairs. Her bag was gone. Things were still broken. My door was still wide open. So, then I told her. We were both monumentally confused. There's no way I could have mixed her up with someone else, and she's an only child. 
We had security check the camera footage, and sure enough, there I was following a girl into my apartment. The angles weren't great, and the video wasn't great quality, but it was pretty easy to see me and my face. But hers was always hard to make out. Looked an awful lot like my girlfriend, but there was never a clear shot. And this girl got into the building by herself, which meant she knew my door code. You could see her typing it in on the footage. Later, we filed a police report. They came, gathered up all the broken stuff, and found only mine and my girlfriend's fingerprints on them. Same as the door. There was no way that same girl was my girlfriend. Hmm. Jennifer Love, Hmm. would you like to play What If with this story? Sure, let's do it. All right, let's look at the clues as they've been given to us. Okay. When they both left the apartment building and went out onto the street, he mentioned that it was early in the morning, Mm -hmm. around eight or nine, correct? That's that's right. What she was wearing was not exactly the kind of clothes that you throw on when you want to get up first thing and break up with your boyfriend. Right. Angry girlfriend was wearing heels and a leather jacket. Right. Which are evening clothes, Mm -hmm. right? And I think the only reason that you would still be wearing those early in the morning is if you perhaps spent the night at a friend's house being very upset because Mm. maybe you saw your boyfriend snogging with somebody (laughs) at uh, the bar. That's true. And who would be the person that he was snogging? His real girlfriend. So she potentially got upset watching him with (laughs) With her. her. (laughs) But maybe she, the alternate version of her, had her back turned. Mm -hmm. Like, who's that brunette? (laughs) Exactly. And this is where it gets even more interesting to me, I think. So alternate version of girlfriend ends up going to somebody else's house, Mm -hmm. as demonstrated by what she was wearing, Mm -hmm. which means that she never went back to her apartment. Mm -hmm. If she had gone straight back to her apartment, do you think that maybe... Sometime late that night, (laughs) she would have heard the sound of keys in the doorknob and had come face to face with herself coming to bed. It could have been. That would have been a... Completely different story. (laughs) (laughs) And would have saved a broken relationship in an alternate dimension. (laughs) And a bruised jaw. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really interesting story. If she did manage to see herself, I wonder if she thought to herself, wow, he certainly has a type. Well, as you ponder the tenuous thread that your relationship suspends on in the space-time continuum, (laughs) we have one final story for you. And dear guest, it's one of our absolute favorites from the book Slips in Time and Space by Rosemary Ellen Guiley. In 1964, Robert Corey took a vacation road trip with his fiancée to visit his future in-laws in Kennewick, Washington. After a few days... He needed to drive back to Burbank while his fiancée stayed behind to continue her visit. The fall weather was dry and pleasant when his 1957 Corvette left the state of Washington for its 12-hour trip to the Los Angeles area. Robert had left around 11.30 p.m., and when he crossed the Oregon state line, it was long past dark, but the weather remained mild. He started to climb up into the mountains on a long, winding road through Oregon. He was rounding a bend, and within an instant he found himself in a severe snowstorm. One moment it was a clear, dry autumn night, the next a raging storm in which he could barely see past his headlights. Robert couldn't believe it. I was frightened, he later said. The road was narrow, 
mountain on one side, a drop on the other. Robert stopped the car and got out and surveyed the storm. This was bad. There was hardly any visibility, plus the Corvette had been getting quite low on gas. Under the circumstances, he decided that he shouldn't drive further. Surveying the scene, he saw what appeared to be a bright light in the distance. With renewed hope, he got back into the car and drove on. When he got to the light, disappointment set in. It was merely a road sign, which was odd as there was no light source of any kind to illuminate it. Robert didn't have time to ponder it, however, for that's when the Corvette stalled. Robert's fear was realized. He had run out of gas in the middle of the snowstorm. The car was positioned on top of a hill, so he coasted downhill until it came to a full stop. Looking about in the dark, Robert saw houses and discovered that he had rolled into some sort of village. He got out of the car and stepped onto the bumpy road. It looked like a western town, Robert recalled. There was already six to eight inches of snow on the ground, so he was relieved to be somewhere inhabited. One building had the word hotel on it, and he walked to it on the wooden sidewalk. There were wagons parked outside the hotel, the type that would be hitched to horses. (laughs) Well, that's odd. But okay, I'm cold. Just give me what you got. (laughs) (laughs) He knocked at the door. Everything was dark, but the door was open, so he entered the lobby of the hotel. He called out, but there was no one to answer. Though the lobby's pot-bellied stove was lit, he moved near the inviting stove to get warm. To one side, he noticed a barbershop chair. In the back, he saw a desk and a big clock. Animal heads lined the walls, silently looking at him with glassy eyes. Old furniture occupied the room, as if from another era. A calendar hung in the shadows of one wall, its date in the early 1900s. There were some notices collected and pinned to a board, and some of these were dated from the late 1800s. To his left, he saw a phone booth. The phone was an antique, with a sign that read, Crank Box for Operator. Deciding to call his fiance, he went to the phone, cranking it and cranking it. Nobody answered. I went back to the stove, he said, ready to go to sleep, and maybe in the morning there would be somebody there to talk to. After all, they've got a fire going. There must be some life in the place. So I laid down on the sofa. Then I heard a rattling noise coming from what looked like a cardboard box in the corner. I figured it might be a snake and got real worried. What? A snake? Just (laughs) random box of snakes. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that later. Mm. The heat, however, was putting me to sleep. I was exhausted, and so... I just fell asleep. I woke up due to some sound upstairs, and I saw a man coming down the steps, an old man of maybe 75, wearing big boots, which made the noise. He wore old coveralls like a farmer. Slowly, he came down to where the stove was. He sat down in a rocking chair across from it, and he went to the men's room or something, and again sat down. He saw me, and we nodded to each other. Then he kept on rocking while I was trying to get up the courage to ask him some questions. Finally, he said to me, 
you couldn't fall asleep. Why didn't you fall asleep? And I said, well, that's all right. I'm not really tired, you know. But he replied, no, you couldn't fall asleep. It's okay. It's okay. He had an old man's voice, and he kept saying over and over again, It's okay. I fell asleep again. Once or twice I opened my eyes, and I saw him still sitting there. I slept till daybreak. When I woke up and opened my eyes, I saw eight or ten men walking around, talking, doing different things. I sat up, but no one paid attention to me, as if I weren't there. The old man from last night said to me, Nice day, isn't it? He put his hand on my shoulder, but it didn't feel right. It felt more like a chicken's foot. What? Like a three-fingered hand? And a claw in back, I guess. (laughs) There were a couple of men around the stove with their backs to me, talking. Then there was a man standing behind the barber chair, shaving someone who wasn't even there. He was shaving somebody, talking to him, moving his razor, but there was no one in that chair. Wow. (laughs) He held up the invisible chin and carefully wiped the razor onto paper. It was frightening to watch this. The razor was real, all right. They all seemed like normal people, except I had the feeling they were in some way smaller, said Robert. They all looked very old, like the first man I saw coming down the stairs. One of the men was walking back and forth in the hotel lobby, talking to nobody, arguing, carrying on a conversation all by himself. So I got up finally. I said hello to one of the men, and he said hello back to me. I looked outside. My car was still there, and the snow had stopped. There was no sign of life outside. I turned to the three men around the stove and asked, Is there a gas station around? Now, I could understand that they were speaking to me, but the words made no sense. One of the men grabbed my wrist as if to point out a direction. Then I heard someone yell out, Breakfast! I looked and I noticed in the back of the lobby, where the desk was, two doors were open now, leading into a dining room. Again, a voice yelled, Breakfast! Come! Breakfast! And at this time, the old man, the one I had seen first coming down the stairs, came over and grabbed me by my arm, saying, Come, have breakfast. I became so frightened I backed off, and for the first time I raised my voice, saying, No! Thank you. Everyone turned around, and then they started to walk toward me, slowly, normally, not rushing. I said, Where am I? Where am I? And the old man who still held my arm said, Don't worry. Don't worry. But I turned and I walked out and I got into my car. I had forgotten about running out of gas. But the car worked. When I drove off, I saw some more people in the street. One of them was a woman. She wore a long dress like the Salvation Army women do. As Robert looked back, The faces of the men in the hotel were pressed up against the windows. He clearly noticed tears rolling down the face of the old man. 
as he left. There's no crying in time travel. (laughs) (laughs) Was he sad to see his new friend go, or was he sad he wasn't escaping with him? Excellent question. Mm. I drove past the people on the sidewalk, and then there was something like a cloud I went through, Mm. like fog for about 30 seconds, Jennifer. Next thing I knew, I came out into one of the brightest, shiniest days you could imagine. I drove for another half mile or so until I came to a gas station, just in time. I was back in today's life. There I was at the gas station, in a sweater, all buttoned up, and the attendant in short sleeves, bare chest out, sweating, and he gave me a funny look. I just couldn't tell him. (laughs) Looking back on the event and how he felt then, Robert added, I was very tense and nervous, but I was not dreaming this. I touched the sofa. I was fully awake. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. It's not okay. Come have breakfast, Jennifer. Breakfast. I'm not hungry, thank you. (laughs) Okay, going back to the rattling rattlesnake. (laughs) The box of snakes. How can you forget? Didn't you find that it was kind of interesting that there seemed to be two forces at play? Mm. So there was Robert in the lobby and sort of being lulled to sleep by the warmth of the fire. But then suddenly there was the sound of this rattlesnake, a sound of danger. Yeah, clearly a warning. And yet, even though logically you would think, I'm in a room with a rattlesnake, maybe (laughs) I should leave. Yeah. He was still lulled to sleep Mm -hmm. by the warmth of the fire, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And then when the old man came downstairs, he asks him, you couldn't fall asleep. Why couldn't you sleep? Mm. And of course, the only factor in the lobby that would keep him from falling asleep was the snake. Mm -hmm. So was the old man, was he trying to glean Mm -hmm. what was this other force trying to warn him doing? Mm. And the reason why I bring up this other force is because I feel like it happened again. With the gibberish. Right. So these men who he could understand just a moment before, they could no longer give him directions on how to escape. Right. It was like something was scrambling it or something. Yeah. And then when they were trying to circumvent that and one of them took his wrist and was trying to maybe point out the window where to go, Mm -hmm. suddenly it was breakfast time. (laughs) And the old man takes him by the arm, come have breakfast. And literally I have crawling (laughs) goosebumps on my flesh Uh just talking about it. And do we want to talk briefly about how in so many fairy tales, there's warnings about not eating food in some place you've wandered into, right? or you might possibly be trapped. So I found that element pretty interesting. And the whole thing has this really sort of archetypal dream logic Mm -hmm. behind it which makes it seem even more sort of powerful and creepy personally i find these types of stories more terrifying than others wandering into a reality that's not your own i mean you're completely out of your element and absolutely have no idea how to get back to your life right i mean from my point of view what if i lost you 
I can deal with crank phones and chicken hands, but waking up and you're suddenly not in my life? Oh, we would always find each other, no matter what the lifetime. You are delicious. You are delicious. <laughs> and I think it's time that we excuse ourselves from this eerie episode of Odd Tonic. The time has just flown by, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it was from having fun and not from some vengeful time slip. (laughs) Dear guests, if you've experienced something like the stories you've heard tonight, please send it along to theparlor at oddtonicsociety.com. Yes. We would love to hear it and, with your permission, share it in an episode. Anonymously, if you prefer. We'll be back next week with more bizarre history, strange science, and paranormal puzzlements. This is, dear guest, goodbye for now. But remember, when your car stalls in a late-night snowstorm, and the only shelter is a strange room filled with odd furnishings and unusual people who look as though they've stepped out from another time, Don't worry. It's just us. Good night.